Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. All right, Tari, uh, this is going to be the introduction for the Don B's interview about the Grant Imahara Steam Foundation. Um, I will also put in a very short outro at the end of it. I apologize for all the audio being broken up this way, uh, but I know you got it all handled. So here we go. Beep. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. But on July 13th, 2020, Fans around the world were shocked to learn that Grant Imahara, a roboticist and popular science and tech communicator and television host, 
had passed away suddenly. Grant became famous as part of the build team on the television series Mythbusters, in which he would help put various myths and beliefs to the test, often by devising intricate and complicated gadgets in order to do so. He was active in fandom circles and had previously been in the series BattleBots, uh, first as a competitor on one team of BattleBots and then later on as a judge in a later season. Grant's passing was shocking, and immediately there was an outpouring of grief and love from his friends, his family, and his fans. I remember feeling gutted when I heard about it, and I had only had the briefest meeting with him once many, many years earlier. His family and friends would take that grief and that love, and they would focus on that love that they had for Grant. They wanted to do something to honor his memory, and so together they would create the Grant Imahara STEAM Foundation. So today, I want to talk a little bit about Grant's life and his work in tech, and talk a little bit about STEAM, and then we'll have an interview with Don Bees, a longtime friend of Grant, and the one of the directors for the foundation. He's the president of the Grant Imahara STEAM Foundation. Grant grew up in Los Angeles, California, and his mom says that as a kid, he gravitated toward toys that let him build things like Lego sets. And once he got hold of a screwdriver, he also took to taking things apart in order to learn how they worked, which is a pretty familiar story whenever I talk to anyone who is an engineer. The idea that you want to learn how something works, you take it apart, and if you're lucky, you can keep it working when you put it back together again. But often it just becomes a learning experience and part of your education. Well, when he was a young boy, the first Star Wars film came out, that is Star Wars A New Hope, or Episode Four, as we think of it these days. Grant credited that movie as being the jumping-off point for his love of robots. He felt drawn toward the characters, the droids C-3PO and R2-D2, and thought, that's what I want to do. I want to make robots. Well, Grant attended college at the University of Southern California, and he majored in electrical engineering, or EE, as the cool engineers call it. By his junior year, he was no longer feeling really certain about his chosen major, he felt that the discipline didn't really give him enough space to be, you know, creative. And he found the studies rather unfulfilling and a bit daunting. And he was given the advice by a counselor to speak with a professor of cinema at USC, a man named Tom Holman. And Holman has an incredibly impressive list of credentials, not the least of which is the invention of the sound system called THX. And just as a quick tangent, I'm not going to go on about this for very long, but THX is really interesting. It's, it's not about a sound format. It's not like you record sound in a THX format, and that's what makes it special. Instead, it's more of an approach to quality control and sound reproduction. So a THX certified system is one that can play sound back so that the reproduced sound you get when you're watching a movie is as close to the original intentions of the mixing engineers as it can possibly be. 
In other words, it's a means for theaters and filmmakers to create the most faithful recreation of sounds possible for the purposes of telling a story the way the filmmakers wanted it to. So you want that explosion to have a particular reverberation and bass to it. You want the music to come through in a specific way to help elevate the emotions of the audience. You want that dialogue to be crisp so that people can understand what's being said. All of these things play a part in it, and it meant making theaters uh, more uniform in the sense that they would be able to replicate this stuff faithfully, and audiences who would go in to watch a movie would be given the opportunity to see it the way everyone wanted them to. Whereas otherwise, you know, your mileage may vary, kind of like if a signal's coming in poorly uh, over cable or, or broadcast TV, you'll be able to see and hear stuff, but it probably won't be the way that the creators of that content had intended. Well, Holman had Imahara work as sort of an assistant, which meant Grant had the chance to sit in on Holman's classes, and effectively he got to take courses that his major would otherwise have prevented him from taking because he was already in his junior year of electrical engineering. So at that stage, you don't have as much freedom to take whatever courses you want. You're kind of locked in. This gave him a chance to work around that. Holman became a mentor to Grant, and that relationship would oppress upon Grant the importance of mentors in general, and he would encounter several more in his early career. Imahara heard about the intern program over at Lucasfilm, and he met with Holman to ask him if he might write a letter of recommendation, because as you can imagine, Lucasfilm is a pretty competitive spot when it comes to internships. They only have a few, and a lot of people really seek them out, because that's a a heck of a spot to have on your resume. Well, Holman said, I'm not going to write you a letter of recommendation, just have them call me. And apparently with his recommendation over the phone, Grant landed a spot in that intern program. And it's safe to say that Emahara really found his calling there. He also got a chance later on to dress up as one of the robot heroes he loved. He got to be C-3PO. Plus, he got to work on a remote-controlled, operated uh, R2-D2, that uh, a full-size R2-D2 that was used for promotional appearances. Grant really took the lead in updating the electronics in that, uh, that remote control R2 because when it had originally been built, it was built on 1980s-era technology. Grant was able to update that into 90s technology and slim things down a bit and give it a little more of a robust uh, versatility. And then Grant Imahara would later make a move over to work at Industrial Light and Magic, the special effects studio. And he would work on films like Jurassic Park, The Lost World. He worked on Galaxy Quest, one of my favorite science fiction films of all time. I mean, it's a comedy, but it's a science fiction comedy, and if you haven't seen Galaxy Quest, you owe it to yourself to check out that movie. He worked on AI, a very ambitious project that originally started out as a Stanley Kubrick project and then morphed over to uh, Steven Spielberg after Kubrick passed away. He also worked on the Star Wars prequels and the Matrix sequels. 
And around that same time, Grant began to build robots for the robot competition show BattleBots. In case you have never seen this show, first of all, you're missing out. This show was wildly entertaining, but it features teams of roboticists who compete in an arena combat uh, competition, and they pit their remote-controlled robots against others from other teams. The robot that Imahara worked on specifically was named Deadblow, and it featured a very low-slung body on four wheels. It had a, a sort of wedge mounted in the front as almost like a ramp, and behind the wedge was an eight-pound sledgehammer arm that could slam down to smash opponents. Later, that weapon would be modified into a CO2-powered pickaxe. Uh, it competed in the middleweight division of the competition. They had lightweights, middleweights, and heavyweights. And Deadblow always did pretty well, though it never quite made it to number one. And as the series went on and the competitors began to design robots with uh, particularly effective uh, means of defeating opponents, Deadblow started to kind of lag behind a little bit. But Grant also became really close friends with a lot of the other competitors at BattleBots. And there are stories of teams that would approach Grant to ask him for advice about how they should best operate their, their robots and how the remote controls even worked. And time and again, if you ask them about it, you'll hear about how Grant was happy to walk people through how the systems worked and how best to optimize them. I mean, he was competing against some of these same teams, but he loved to talk shop and he loved to teach what he had learned. So he started to become kind of a mentor to some of the other BattleBots participants along the way. A couple of other guys who were also in the special effects industry and who also competed in BattleBots were Jamie Heineman and Adam Savage. Imahara would get to know them a lot better when he would join the show Mythbusters after the show's first season. Adam Savage would go on to say that Imahara made an incredible contribution to that show, and he added that Imahara was the only one of the hosts who had an academic background in engineering. So he really also gave Mythbusters a, a sense of legitimacy that way. Grant would end up building a lot of stuff for Mythbusters in the, the efforts to test various claims and determine whether they were busted, that is, you know, not really possible, or if they were plausible or confirmed. And he also got a chance to live out the fantasy of being in multiple different kinds of stunts and crazy situations. I'm sure some of them were daunting, but the thing that really struck me as a fan of Mythbusters was that Grant always seemed really excited and jazzed to do something truly insane as part of that show. And it was something that I always found really, really entertaining. In 2014, the producers decided to phase out the build team, of which Grant was part of that. And uh, they focused solely on Heinemann and Savage for the remaining seasons of Mythbusters. But Imahara kept working on various projects, including a show called White Rabbit for Netflix, where he joined his former build team comrades to do a season of that show. He also designed and built the robot that is the second banana sidekick for uh, Craig Ferguson's late show, and that was still on. And that was also known as uh, Jeff Peterson, the robot. One of my favorite 
on-screen characters. Uh, one, <laughs> Craig and 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 Jeff the robot, their interactions together are some of the funniest uh, ones I've seen on late night television. If you've never noticed or seen that, I recommend going to YouTube and just searching for like Craig and Jeff. That's G E O F F compilations because they are, they, they made me cry. I laugh so hard. Grant also worked with Disney Imagineering on various projects, including he built an animatronic baby Yoda figure from the Mandalorian and it was meant to be a device that you could take to different children's hospitals, which, dang it, y'all, that's just, I mean, that's just awesome and inspirational. He also would take time to volunteer at high school robotics organizations. He lent his expertise and his knowledge to help kids who were just getting into mechanical and electrical engineering. And he encouraged their work and taught them how to do things. And again, that mentor mentality was really coming in strong. His impact continues to be felt throughout the worlds of engineering and entertainment. If you do a search of his name, you will find countless examples of amazing stories about his exploits, the impressions he did, his projects, and his genuine love of other people. The foundation, named in honor of Grant Imahara, will focus on providing resources for STEAM education. STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Mathematics. Uh, it's great that it's STEAM rather than STEM. STEM is very important. STEM is, is Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math, but it doesn't have the art component there. Uh, but Grant found a lot of satisfaction by applying his knowledge in those other fields, specifically within the arts. And I think a lot of people, that that really resonates. So STEAM is a wonderful kind of approach to this. And it, there is no doubt about it that there are m too many schools and school systems around the world, but particularly in the United States, where there is a, a real need for more STEAM resources and education. Coming up, we've got my interview with Don Bees, the president and director of the Grant Imahara STEAM Foundation. But first, let's take a quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 
I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Don, first of all, thank you so much for giving us your time and uh, and being on the show. I am uh, really pleased to have you on. I am a, an advocate for STEAM education in general, and to have this chance to talk about something, uh, a cause so near and dear to my heart, uh, means a lot to me, and I, I'm certain it means a lot to my listeners as well. So uh, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for reaching out to us and and asking for the interview. That's great. Absolutely. Uh, I was also one of the, well, I, I can't say that I was one of the first because I know that the reaction upon the announcement of the foundation was positive because I was seeing it in real time, but I was uh, determined to be an early supporter. And so I did, I was one of those early donators to the foundation. I was so excited thank you. to see such passion. Well, it's, I mean, thank you. I mean, I, <laughs> my contribution is tiny in comparison, but it is, uh, it is something that I'm really excited to talk about. But before we get into that, I was hoping that maybe you could tell us about how you met Grant and uh, how your friendship formed and, and sort of the things that you observed about Grant and Mahara, the to kind of understand the inspiration behind doing something as as momentous as as building a foundation. So Grant actually has a really interesting story as to how he wound up at Lucasfilm, which is where we met. Um, he was uh, a student at USC, and um, he was in he was an engineering student, an electrical engineering student. And I, I guess in a, a, roughly his junior year, he decided he didn't want to do it anymore. He just was bored with it. And um, so he was trying to uh, jump over to the uh, cinema studies, I believe, and he couldn't do that. So somebody had suggested to him to uh, talk to Tom Holman, who Tom Holman is the man who invented THX sound system. Um, and it, it was retconned, but everyone was calling it THX stood for Tom Holman's experiment, but that's not true. <laughs> but um so anyway, uh, and Tom was a professor at USC. So he went in and uh, I heard the story from Grant. I've also heard the story more recently from Tom. But essentially he went in and, and said to, to Tom, you need an intern. And, um, and so he, he offered to start cleaning up Tom's office. And one thing led to another and he, Tom started giving him jobs to do and this and that. And then, then the internship uh, possibility came, popped up for Grant. 
at uh, at Lucasfilm because they had every year. I think they had two sets of interns, you know, you know like a spring, a, a spring and a fall semester or something like that. And uh, so he uh, he said, I wanted to, I want to do the the internship at Lucasfilm. Can you write me a letter of recommendation? And Tom essentially just said, Oh, just have him call me. It'll be fine. <laughs> and so he called. They one thing led to another, and of course, and. Uh, Grant was an intern at the THX uh, division of Lucasfilm. And so that's actually where I met Grant. I was uh, in between doing film work. I was also doing, I was also the Lucasfilm archivist. So I took care of all the props and models and costumes and everything from Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Willow and even Howard the Duck. So I knew people I, I, because of the, the work at the ranch, uh, Skywalker Ranch and ILM, I knew a lot of, a lot of people and, and we, would have lunch together, you know, d- different people. I, I got to be friends with different people. And, and that's how I met him. He, he came to lunch one day with uh, some friends and, um, and matter of fact, the first, the first, actually the first time I met him was at the THX office and he was hanging onto someone's leg and she was dragging him along the, the ground. And <laughs> I'm like, what a, what a little nutcase this guy is. <laughs> so that was my first impression of Grant. But uh, he, he, we met at, like I said, at lunch and he just started kind of hanging out with him. He was only, I think he was 22. He's turning 23 that year when we met. So it was in like 93. And um, I was doing a huge project at the archives at that point. We were getting a huge, a lot of the models and, and uh, archival stuff ready for an exhibition in Japan. And uh, so People are coming over and looking at it and checking it out a lot. And he would come over to the archives and kind of hang out with us a little bit. And then when I found out he was an electrical engineer, um, one of the other side jobs I had was operating R2-D2 for personal appearances. And and R2 was always in need of some sort of upgrade. You know, he's uh, dealing with 70s, early 80s technology at that point. So, um, I, you know, I, I asked Grant, I said, yeah, you want to come and help me fix up R2? And he said, of course. And, <laughs> and, uh, and that's how we bonded, you know, that's how we, we really first met. So, yeah, I, I hear that, uh, there's no, there's no experience that brings people closer together than working over a droid, uh, <laughs> late, late into the evening hours. Uh, that's, right. that's, in, that's incredible. How would you, how would you describe Grant to someone who had never met him? Well, at that point, uh, well, he was, I mean, he's, he always was generous. I mean, uh, but, he, uh, you know, he continued that, but he was, especially at that point, he was really young, really enthusiastic, uh, incredibly knowledgeable, especially for someone that young, willing to, you know, take on any kind of problem and, and try to solve it. He was really good at like, uh, reverse engineering something. So, you know, it's like, you, 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 this is the problem we have. How do we get here? And he would figure it out and come back to stuff. So uh, he he made a really good fit with a lot of us that of you know we're working in industrial light and magic as well because that's a lot of a lot of people there did this similar things. So he, he was just uh, incredibly clever. Um, never really in a bad mood. Um, I mean, I. I got to witness a few, you know, temper tantrums here and there, but they were always well deserved. Uh, but uh, but he, yeah, he was always really friendly. Uh, loved to laugh. Loved to have a good time. He was a he. He had a he. Had, he could do killer impersonations. It was uh, 
he had a great impersonation of George Lucas and uh, he's the one that created the whole uh, Jamie Heineman where you put your hands up, you know, by your, by your <laughs> mouth and pretend to be, have his mustache as your fingers. Uh, that was Grant that came up with that. Uh, so yeah, he, he was always doing impersonations and, um, yeah. So yeah, just really, really talented, friendly, nice guy, really. And, and what that was, what was great about when he ultimately, uh, found the success with Mythbusters. Uh, I mean, everything he was doing, he was successful in, but the Mythbusters just elevated him to this level, this global, uh, uh, fame. And, you know, so the, he was one of those people that really deserved it. You know, he really, um, he, he, you know, you, you wish that kind of thing on those kinds of people. And, and, and there, there's so many people out there that deserve that kind of recognition and don't get it. And he was so fortunate to be in the right place and the right time to get it. And, uh, and definitely deserved it. And it never went to his head. You know, he was, uh, I hear from people that, you know, met him years later, because of course I knew him before he was famous. Uh, but I, you know, met him, met people that, that just said he was, uh, always took the time, you know, would, would remember people. Uh, he, he never acted like a celebrity. So that, that was great to hear that he continued, you know, being pretty much the same person his entire life. That's funny. I, I, uh, I briefly met him at a Dragon Con many years ago. It was the very first time that the Mythbusters build team were guests at the Dragon Con convention. And, uh, my introduction to Mythbusters was when I went to a farmer's market and two different people stopped me. Uh, at the time I was wearing glasses and uh, they, they stopped me to say, do you, do you, have you, has anyone ever told you you look kind of like that guy from the Mythbusters? And I hadn't seen the show yet. I didn't know what they were talking about. And I said, no, no one has ever told me that. And then the second person said that. I said, well, okay, literally five minutes ago, someone told me that. Well, Dragon Con, one of the biggest things there is cosplay, something that Grant loved. And um, and so I thought it would be funny. I've been going to Dragon Con since I was a little kid. My father's a science fiction author. And uh, I thought it would be really funny as as a costume that I would dress up as Jamie from Mythbusters. So I got <laughs> I went and got a military beret. I did the Oxford shirt. I did khakis, and uh, and the Mythbusters crew were in the the Hall of Fame section. They were doing autographs, and so I made it a point to walk by to say hello. I was a big fan, and Grant looked up and gave the best laugh, and then he said. <laughs> He pointed to me and said, you can't put me to work. I'm on vacation. And uh, and it was just a wonderful moment. And also, he hung out by all the battle bots. There's a battle bots competition at Dragon Con. And he was still just ready to, to look at how people were designing their robots and operating them. And as you say, it pointed to that he had a genuine love for technology for curiosity and something that uh, I personally found very inspirational is that he was so good at communicating that because I've, I've met a lot of engineers who are brilliant and they're great problem solvers, but they don't always have the skill to communicate that in a way that's accessible. And I feel like Grant 
definitely had that. I felt he shined on Mythbusters when he was explaining his thought process for a design of a build and the and the approach to trying to test a myth. So to me, uh, he is was one of the great communicators of technology and engineering and science. And the fact that he had that love for it uh, just made that even more genuine and exciting. It's one of those rare qualities that you see in people who are in that position. Uh, you know, I, I, I uh, really admired that of him and considered him uh, quite the role model for people who want to take that kind of approach to trying to to explain topics that are in science and, and tech. And I imagine that that was a large part of the inspiration as well for the friends and family who came together when conversations first started about forming the Grand Imahara STEAM Foundation. Is, is, am I on the right track here? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, when, when it, just going back to what you were talking about w- with his ability to communicate that way, what was what was always amazing. You know, there, there's a stereotype of the the science or electronic or engineering nerd, the IT guy. You know, mm-hmm. that that kind of like uh, socially inept kind of person, and that's what made really made Grant's uh, different from everybody else is that. He didn't have that. He he was you know his personality was great. He was affable. He was he was friendly. He was completely approachable. You never felt intimidated by him or anything like that. Yet he knew so much. I mean, and and his ability to explain what he was doing and 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 make it fun on the show. One of the things since we started the foundation, we got all this amazing, amazing emails and 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 responses on social media and everything about how much he inspired people, which which is is inspiring, you know that that he was such a role model, and and I think that's one of the things that that kind of led us to do this. Well, first of all, we wanted to do something. I mean, you know, obviously, all of us are we were heartbroken when he passed away, <clears throat> and. Um, and the ability to try to do something in his honor just seems so right, you know. Um, so his mother and another friend um, uh, were the ones that started talking about it. And then they asked a select group of people. Um, uh, and I was fortunate, both myself and my wife, uh, who knew Grant for as long as I have, um, were fortunate enough to be asked to be part of it. And, and it was really, you know, for me personally, it's kind of, it's a way to help, uh, mourn, you know, it, 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 it's, it lessens the pain a little bit by knowing that we're doing something in his honor. And then the positive feedback we've gotten because of it, um, is, uh, is really good, you know, is, is really, again, heartwarming to, to hear. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, uh, you know, it just, it, it just seemed the right thing to do. And then when we got together, our first meeting got together, there's seven of us. There's Grant's mother, of course, who's a wonderful, wonderful, amazing lady. Uh, so strong in, in this and, and so, so, um, touched, incredibly touched by, by the, the, uh, outpouring of love and affection for her son. Um, and then, 
there's Iwana, who's uh, actually a former girlfriend of Grant's, uh, that they he stayed in touch with and stayed friends with all these years. Myself and my wife, and uh, Ed uh, Ed Chin and his wife Koya Elliott. Ed and Koya, uh, well, Ed was Grant's uh, roommate um, at USC, and uh, so they've known each other for was it close to thirty, you know, twenty five years or something like that. Um, and, uh, and, and then Koya, uh, Ed, Ed and Koya met, um, I, I think at Skywalker Ranch, cause Koya is a sound editor at, uh, Skywalker Ranch. And then Fawn Davis, who Fawn worked with us at Industrial Light and Magic. Matter of fact, Fawn and Grant got hired on the very, the, the first project Grant got hired on at, uh, ILM. Fawn was hired on, and Fawn works in still works in the special effects industry. His own studio, Fonco Studios, down in Los Angeles. So the seven of us got together, and we we're you know we were just really trying to form wh what exactly it was that we should do. Um, and the, because of the love of robotics that Grant had, um, he in the um, early two thousands uh, uh, mentored a team, a robotics team in Richmond, California. And, um, and you, we kind of use that as a, a springboard as to like, let's, let's honor and, and start being able to, uh, help. It, it was a, it was actually a, um, uh, a, a team, a team, uh, a school that's, you know, um, of unrepresented, underrepresented youth. Um, and, um, and he made such a positive impression on those people, on those kids that uh, one of the kids that he mentored is still run, now runs the program. And uh, so, um, again, using that, Grant's love of, of course, science, technology, and math, uh, 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 was it was natural for STEM. But, <clears throat> but the other thing that we really felt strongly about adding was the A, the arts, the STEAM. And STEAM. And because Grant was such a huge supporter of, of arts, uh, as you mentioned, the cosplay stuff, uh, obviously the film work and television work that he did, he loved making things that were artistic in addition to uh, technical, you know, so, so that was kind of, that was, that, you know, we, that was, it just seemed all right, I guess is the best way to say it, you know, it just seemed the right thing to do. And it's so important to me. Uh, so my own background was with a, a liberal arts degree <laughs> in English literature with a focus on Renaissance and Shakespearean studies. And now I talk <laughs> about technology. So, uh, so I, I definitely have uh, a, a deep respect for the arts as well as for the, the STEM that we normally hear about. So when I saw that it was the STEAM foundation, not the STEM foundation, um, that also was I found it not surprising, but encouraging because I also feel that when you incorporate arts into the other, uh, the other disciplines, you get really special, uh, outcomes as a result. Uh, you mentioned the robotics. Uh, I assume that the foundation is, it's going to be playing a, a role in the first robotics competitions. Uh, first robotics, I believe Dean Kamen, founded that many years ago. And uh, it's a big thing here in Atlanta where I'm at. Uh, we have the the Georgia Tech uh, Robo Jackets as uh, uh, <laughs> participants in that because uh, the Yellow Jackets are there. Uh, I was a UGA graduate, so I'm not allowed into those rooms. Um, <laughs> good old rivalries die hard. But uh, 
what's what, what sort of involvement does the foundation have with the the or what are the plans for the involvement of the foundation with the robotics competitions? Well, one of the things we're, we're actually, uh, to be honest, we're still working out stuff. We've, we've literally formed the, the paperwork in August and we officially launched it on the 23rd of October, which was Grant's fi- uh, 50th birthday. Um, at, until that point, we had no money. <laughs> um, and so uh, the donations actually literally started pouring in from that moment on. It was a really amazing to watch that we crashed the website and all that sort of stuff. It was really amazing to watch that that happen. Um, and what was also amazing is the the reach, you know, it was literally from around the world. Um, so it wasn't just l- limited to the United States or Australia, which is where Mythbusters was also was was created. Um, so, uh, so we're, we're working out, uh, exactly how we're going to do things. One thing is, is mentorship, um, because of the donations that we did get in the very first, uh, donation that we're, or, or, or scholarship funding, whatever you'd want to call it, that we're going to be doing is with the, the Richmond team, uh, in that grant mentored. And so we're able to actually fund them, fund a, a bunch of, uh, home, kits for them, home toolkits for them. So that's the first thing that we're going to do. We, we've discussed everything from mentorships to scholarships to our own individual programs. So um, we're, we're still working all that out. Um, but uh, we, you know, at this point, nothing's off the table. You know, we, we've gotten questions about like, how, we, how would we incorporate arts and uh, music, uh, perhaps even, uh, a lot of people don't know Grant was actually an excellent piano player. Um, so, um, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, we're, we're, we're looking and we're open for ideas essentially at this point. Uh, um, we're, you know, next year we'll be, uh, we're going to be doing a, uh, a, a huge fundraiser that will be, everyone will know about because it will be, We'll be uh, hitting PR really hard with that one, uh, but uh, uh, with that with that influx of money, hopefully, then we'll be able to um, to expand out to to do other kinds of supports for schools and 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 individual programs. Well, with that in mind, um, I guess a, a good segue would be to ask you, Don, what does STEAM mean to you? How is how has the various uh, disciplines in in the under the steam umbrella how has that affected your career path for example you know i i didn't realize it until more recently <laughs> that i was i'm really into engineering um uh that um i, I kind of the things that i've done all my life in my career have been engineering in some form or another uh, certainly, I wouldn't call myself an engineer. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to insult the people <laughs> that have trained in those careers. But, uh, but you know, it, it is all a matter of of unfolding and and figuring out how the best solutions for different things. And I'm fascinated by how things work. And I've always been that way. So that that drive for the curiosity. But the other thing that my time in, in the film industry has also taught me is the, that, like you were discussing earlier, the important element of art, because, um, you know, you could, I, I think a, a, a good um, example is like the Apollo program. I'm a huge fan of the space program and the Apollo program. You see the lunar module. Now that thing was designed by engineers. There was no art in that thing. I mean, it's, it's beautiful in its functionality, but 
it certainly doesn't look like a spaceship. You know, <laughs> it, it, it was, it, you could tell it was designed by engineers. And then you look at the stuff like SpaceX is doing and it's like, okay, that's the art mixed in with the technology. And, um, and like I said, I'd never get rid of the, uh, the lunar module. I love the lunar module, but I think <laughs> it's a prime example of how, how the two, uh, should work together or in that case didn't work together. Um, and so, so the, the, the idea of science and technology and art, uh, and engineering in, in my mind, math, I was never good at. Uh, but, uh, but the, uh, the first, the first four letters, I, um, I used constantly all the time in my career. And, um, and I loved, I love every aspect of that. And, and I really, uh, having kids now that are grown up, but, uh, watching what was what was working for them it was always the practical exp, uh, 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 instit, instituting all those practically so it's not you're just not studying one you're seeing how one affects the other and, and it connects all together so I, I think that's a real important thing that I think more education should should uh, you know have more of is the integration of, of all those things together I completely agree with you. I'm also the son of two retired teachers. So obviously this this subject matter is really important to me. We'll be right back with more from my interview with Don Bees, the president of the Grant Imahara STEAM Foundation, after this short break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. One thing Imahara, one thing Grant was really, really, really good at was inspiring that that curiosity, right? To he made it exciting to want to know how something was going to work or how he was going to tackle a particular challenge. And uh, I find that that is an approach that resonates so well with younger people. Uh, this, you know, talking about how that curiosity, that excitement, is a cool thing, and and it engages students, I feel, far more than if you were just to memorize formula, you know, all the different uh, uh, formula for physics. Understanding how to apply that in a way that's practical and fun, and you can actually see the result of that application and know, oh, I understand why it did the thing it did. I find that that, for me anyway, always cemented the concepts much better in my mind rather than just, you know, vomiting out a a series of different formula for the, you know, 9.8 meters per second per second or something along those lines. And uh, that's something that I'm seeing in, in in the promotional material for the foundation. There's an amazing video uh, that honestly, as soon as I watched it, that's where I was like, okay, well, I have to donate to this because that video was so well done. Um, and anyone who hasn't seen it needs to go to the Grant Imahara Steam Foundation page and watch it uh, because I feel like that encapsulated that whole philosophy, that ethos of curiosity being this incredible motivating force. Um, so I, I'm very excited to see what comes down the line with the foundation. Uh, and, and I can't wait to learn more about it um, and to see the results, to see, to see how people are benefiting from it through mentorship or through scholarship or through being able to do uh, uh, classwork that has been either developed by or for, or funded by, or, or however it, it manifests. Um, and honestly, all the stuff I've seen so far just shows the, the amount of passion, uh, which speaks a lot about Grant's impact on everyone else's lives. Uh, when you see that, that it has motivated you and the other founders to go to these extraordinary steps to create the foundation. And then moreover, inspired thousands of people to already contribute and to, uh, to follow along. Um, it says a lot about his character and the impact he had on, on all the people around him, whether he, whether they were close friends or just people who had seen him on television. Uh, so this is one of those things that, um, uh, I'm really, really truly excited about. And, uh, and I say that as someone who only met him the one time, and that's one of the biggest regrets I have is that I didn't really get a chance to 
to talk with them or to, uh, to spend more time with them. But everyone I know who did, um, had nothing but the best things to say. So I, you kind of touched on it, but, um, what has been the general reaction among the founders to the response that you've seen from, from people who, who have just, who have learned and started to support the foundation already? I think, amazing is yeah, we just we like that first day we were just like astounded uh that the the i i think we might i certainly expected you know some positive reaction but not as positive as we've gotten i, I grant i i like i said i, I knew grant for I met him in 93 he started he left ilm i think roughly 2005 for mythbusters and then was on mythbusters until 2013 or something like that. But then he moved down to Los Angeles. And um, so I didn't get to see him that much anymore. And we, we hardly talked in more recent years. Uh, just about a month before he passed away, we happened to be texting back and forth. So uh, he had just finished. Uh, he had done the baby Yoda. And then he had uh, he had just finished uh, an R2-D2. And that was an R2-D2 project that I was part of when they started had started 20 years before. Um, I never did mine, but he, uh, he, he was able to finish his. And, uh, so I, you know, the, the grant I knew and, and we were more uh, apart, distant apart. Um, and so I never really saw the impact. I never had any gauge or any sense of what, what he did to four people, what his, what he meant to people. And, um, and to see this coming in um, when when we announced it um, was you know, so touching uh, as is the best way I could describe it. I just it, you know all of us were just uh, heartwarmed that 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 he made such an impression on people. Um, I, I know his mother in particular has been so so touched and so overwhelmed by by the response. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, it, it, I, I think the, the other thing about, you know, his passing is, and, and the need for the foundation, I personally feel like I don't want anyone, I, w- I really want to continue his memory. I really want to continue. He, because of that, seeing that response from people has really inspired me to want to, um, keep it going and 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 of course that's the biggest challenge because you know we're not him you know but how can we keep it going what what cool things can we do that would he would be proud of that he would the way he would do something so that's i think are going to be our biggest challenge moving forward well i think part of the response uh may be that uh this was this was a way for lots of people also to process his passing because I know that for many people, myself included, uh, it was it was a real um, a real shock and turning having having a means to honor somebody and to make a positive change or a positive impact on the world uh, in their name is such it's such a grand thing to do. Uh, it's such a wonderful expression and a way to give people that means of processing this and to feel good about the process. Um, it was like, 
when I saw it, I was immediately attracted to it. I thought that this was such a brilliant approach and such a wonderful cause to to you know further education and and to to recognize that there are a lot of communities out there that are in need of that support that we need to have this kind of uh, um, educational support for underrepresented populations in in particular. Uh, that to me is really important because we've seen the the gap between the haves and the have nots, particularly right now as we're in the middle of a of a uh, pandemic, and we're seeing the struggles that various communities have whether uh, to, to access to things like digital education and distance learning. Um, you know, there are a lot of communities that are really struggling with that. So to have, have another way of saying this is a way for us to kind of support systems and support learning and encourage learning and to remember that, that really the, uh, the goal here is to inspire which leads to bigger and better things. I think all of that is really phenomenal and uh, uh, really something to to be proud of. Uh, and the only other question I have for you then, Don, is for listeners out there who maybe are just learning about this, how might they get involved with the foundation? So you could go to the website. Uh, we have an info email that you can uh, click on. I will respond. Usually it's me that will respond. Um, at, at the moment, we've had, we've had uh, quite a few people that had responded and, and asked um, how they could help. You know, uh, they can't, might not be able to donate, but they'd love to help in some way. How we're going to roll out any kind of mentorships or our volunteer stat is still to be determined. Uh, we, again, we're open to ideas. If people have ideas, uh, a few people have suggested some stuff that that sounds good that we'll probably we will be discussing amongst the board. Um, obviously, there's a lot of uh, there, there's the geographic things to consider. You know, pe- people are writing literally from all over the world. Um, so, um, but um, uh, we're keeping a database of every everybody that's that's writing into us as we, as we develop and, and uh, discover which programs and how we're going to be able to utilize the talents that people are are writing in, we'll be reaching out. Fantastic. Don, I wish you and, and everyone at the foundation, the absolute best. Uh, I am, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next and who knows, maybe you'll be getting more emails from me. Uh, because I would love to to I be part of it. Them. Oh, absolutely. Yes, well, you've been you. you've been so kind with the ones that we've sent already. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and thank you again for being on the show. Uh, I greatly appreciate it, and um, and I I I look forward to lots more conversations about about STEAM education and uh, and ways to inspire. Well, thank you, and thank I really appreciate you having uh, having me on. Thank you. It was a pleasure to speak with Don Bees about Grant's impact and the goals of the Grant Imahara STEAM Foundation. Grant's own life points to the importance and impact of mentorship, and the foundation aims to continue that important work and to expand upon it. If you would like to learn more and get involved, visit grantimaharafoundation.org. 
and watch that video because holy cow, it is so well done. It is inspirational and loving. It's a little sad, obviously, but it it ends on a note of hope that I think is phenomenal. And it really just gets me excited to see what the foundation is able to do down the line. And I really hope that I can play a small part in that. If you guys have any suggestions for topics I should cover on future episodes of Tech Stuff, whether it's a specific technology, a company, a trend in tech, whatever it may be, reach out. The best way to do that is over on Twitter. The handle is TechStuffHSW. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.